You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-S. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin, working hard to bring you what's possible for your health. The Freighter and MCW Health Network is transforming the way care is delivered to make it easier for you to connect with the best of academic medicine when and where you need it. We're doing our self-scout evaluation today. So I treated the Green Bay Packers like they were a Packers opponent. When we do our scouting reports on Thursday, trying to put together a plan for how Green Bay is going to attack this team, how the other team might attack Green Bay, this is what the Packers coaches are doing. They are going through the process of having the offensive coaches evaluate the defense. Hey, Mike Patton as Matt LaFleur. How This is how I'm going to attack you if I'm playing you, and vice versa. And when you have someone as meticulous as Matt LaFleur, someone who has proven that he is excellent at breaking down defenses, finding weaknesses, especially with his uh, plans, the early offense for Green Bay has been outstanding, and that is all in the, the identification of weaknesses and planning that goes into that, those scripted plays. Green Bay's scripted offense has been the best in football all season. Mike Patton, he takes a little bit longer to get into the game, but part of that is because he is a little bit like a boxer. He wants to fill you out. He wants to show you some things, see how you react to it, and it it, it works differently with defenses when you do that because offenses will do that too. They'll say, okay, we're going to run this play because we want to see how you react because we've got this counter coming later. That's a lot easier to do for offenses because you can burn a play. You know, if you if you run a bad play on offense just to show it, or not a bad play, but just a, a show me play, it's now it's second and ten if it doesn't work. If you're a defense and you run a coverage just to run it, then you could be giving up a big play if it's not in an advantageous situation. So it it is actually harder to be effective doing that. Uh, and that's not to say that that they haven't had success early in games. There are plenty of games this year where they have had success early in games, particularly creating turnovers and uh, and setting the Packers' offense up in an advantageous position. Before we get to the self-scout part of it, I want to take a, a broader look at something um, that is, that is I think, part of the, the, the self-scout because it speaks to a philosophy. As I went back through the Packers on their bye week as part of my self-scout, doing what the Packers are doing, I was so impressed with Preston and Zadarius Smith, that it made me ask a simple question to myself. And that is, would Green Bay, had they known Preston and Zadarius Smith were this good, would they have gone in a different direction with the 12th overall pick? 
would they still have taken Rashawn Gary? And I think the simple answer is I think they would have because you look at the contracts that Preston and Zedarius got. Green Bay paid them to be premier players. Now, I think Preston Smith has outperformed his contract, and I think Zadarius Smith has lived up to his contract. Remember, Zadarius got not an insignificant amount more than Preston. So, you know, the fact that they are playing like this is commensurate with the amount that they're being paid. So maybe it is the case that Green Bay saw these guys, they felt like they were undervalued by the market, and that paying them this amount was actually good value rather than overpaying, which is what a lot of people said, myself included. I felt like it was a lot. I felt like the Preston Smith contract was a little bit more in line with where we thought it would be. The Zadarius Smith contract was well over what we thought it would be, although we have since come to find out that there were certainly other teams that were interested in him and and Green Bay. Uh, and maybe they didn't have to pony up to the extent that they did, but that they they understood that there were going to be other teams out there bidding for his services. He has absolutely lived up to expectations. Uh, Mike Smith said he had over a dozen pressures in the game. I think Pro Football Focus had him for 10-plus, and this is, this is in a game where I believe he didn't have a credited sack. But uh, this speaks to a question about team building because – I know that Rashawn Gary, his it's not that his play is subpar because when he's been on the field, he's been solid, especially in the run game. And Ben Fennell for The Athletic has pointed out uh, that his pass rush in particular has gotten better. He flattens to the quarterback better. He is not getting ridden by quarterbacks as often. He is more capable of putting his foot in the ground, and he has created uh, some negative plays simply by being in the right place at the right time. I do think it's fair to wonder, though, if if Green Bay still takes this same tact, knowing how good Preston and Zadarius have been. And they knew Rashawn Gary was going to take some time. I think the fact that they had those two guys made it easier for them to take someone like Gary, someone they knew was going to have to learn a new position, someone that Mike Smith was really excited to work with. He was not just their best player on the board. They had him as the best edge really in the draft, which is crazy to think because Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, those guys have been awesome this year. Brian Burns was good until he got hurt, but they loved Gary's potential. And maybe that's just where it's going to be. What what I don't want us to do, though, is to make this about a missed pick. It is way too early for us to be saying Rashawn Gary is a bust. It is way too early to say that the Packers should have taken a different player at 12. And there are a lot of fans. We had this discussion before the draft. There were a lot of fans who wanted a player who was going to come in right away and tilt the field for them. And number one, the odds of that happening, even at 12, are low. Only about 40% of all first-round picks are even useful players. And... A, a good percentage of those guys take time to develop. I mentioned this on Twitter. Guys like D. Ford, Demarcus Lawrence, even J.J. Watt and Khalil Mack, Laramie Tunsil, Kyle Fuller, guys who were high picks, legit high first-round picks. Jadavion Clowney didn't even really play his first two years because he's dealing with injuries. I mean, he's playing his best football now, and he was drafted in 2014. Bud Dupree is just now playing like an impact pass rusher. 
He was drafted in 2015. So we, we have to take the long view with this. It is not the case that because Rashawn Gary has not been a high-impact player in year one, that it was a missed opportunity. It was a missed opportunity insofar as you could have gotten a player that helps you in year one, but it might also be the case that that player does not have the upside and, and potential and would, would not have been eventually as good as Rashawn Gary. The example that I used uh, initially was Andrus Pete, who is not good as a rookie, but was a pro bowler last year. Even if it takes until year two, year three, I mean, Demarcus Lawrence was not an impact player until well into his career. Didn't even start, played seven games as a rookie, didn't start a single one. Khalil Mack and J.J. Watt started 16 games each and did not produce at a high rate. You don't think if Rashawn Gary were starting for this team that he would have more numbers? You don't think if he were playing 80% of snaps like Preston and Zadarius Smith are that he would have some numbers? You just, you know, Nick Perry, Clay Matthews, even at their, Nick Perry's not even in the league right now. And he wound up with a couple sacks last year just because this defense allows for that. Twists, stunts, blitzes, free rushers. That's not the point. It, 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 is, it is absurd to say and, and window shop here and say, oh, well, Green Bay could have had XYZ player instead. We don't know. We don't know if that player is good either. Because not only is 10 games not enough to declare someone a bust, 10 games is also not enough time to declare someone good. You know, Josh Jacobs is probably going to win Rookie of the Year. He might be out of the league by 2025. Rashawn Gary might be a, an all-pro by 2025. Which one would you rather have? When these selections are made, the idea is they are not going to be good as rookies. Elton Jenkins is the exception that proves the rule. He is a Pro Bowl guard, potentially an all-pro guard. He has been awesome, awesome, awesome this year. Most rookies are Jay Sternberger. Most rookies are Rashawn Gary. And you want them to be because you want them to grow into it. You want them to develop. You don't want them to get beat up. You don't want them to develop bad habits. You want them to learn. And think of how much Rashawn Gary is already learning from guys like Preston and Zadarius Smith. In a different situation, maybe he is not as apt to develop and grow. The, this, is, this is a huge thing with draft picks that I don't think gets enough attention. Where you go in your situation is so crucial to your development. The coaches that you get, the system that you go into, the organization that you go into, the teammates that you have. So, yeah, Brian Burns would have produced more as, a, as an early rookie, but he's hurt now. And he's undersized. Is he ever going to be able to be a consistent player and stay on the field? Is he ever going to be someone who can hold up in the run game? We don't know. It is way too early for this type of, of you know, complaining, frankly. Because so many of these rookies have not been that good. I mean, it is easy to look at the highlights of someone like A.J. Brown or Hollywood Brown or even D.K. Metcalf and say, oh, well, the Packers could have taken that guy. Okay. Maybe, but the circumstances were different. If the Packers take A.J. Brown at 12, everyone's going, what the hell are you doing? These, these guys are risk propositions, and you have to do risk assessment. So even if you only have a 15% chance of hitting and you hit, it's not the case that the whole league missed. It is potentially simply the case that in that 15%, 
is baked into the perfect situation, the perfect offense, the perfect quarterback. You know, there are there are a plethora of factors that go in, and maybe they're different on another team that do not allow for that fostering of growth. If Rashawn Gary is starting for the, for the Oakland Raiders, let's say, a team that had interest in him, you don't think he's he's playing like Cleland Farrell is? You don't think he's starting and playing 70% of snaps? And then teams aren't aren't complaining. And if he were starting, you'd be going, what are Preston and Zadarius Smith getting paid for? Rashawn Gary's starting. We have to give these guys time. We have to give Jay Sternberger time before we can say it was a mistake to take him over Terry McLaurin. These players take time. And maybe more to the point, this team coalesced faster than I think a lot of people thought they would. I'm sure Brian Gutekinds, when he's paying all this money, is thinking, yeah, this team has a chance to to be good right away, but not this good, not eight and two through 10 games good, not Super Bowl caliber right away good, because that was not the team they were the last two years. And this team is doing it without Aaron Rodgers being A-plus Aaron Rodgers. I just want everyone to sort of pump the brakes on this. We will not know for a year or two how good a draft pick is. It takes time. It takes time. And, and it particularly takes time at two positions, pass rusher and offensive line. Because there's so much about technique. There's so much about study and polish. I think, you know, there are certainly tight end because of the learning curve takes time as well. But in the trenches, very few guys excel right away. And guys like Elton Jenkins, who have so much experience, who are, you know, he's an older prospect. He had that polish coming out. He was ready. Most guys aren't. And that's just, I think that's something that that we have to remember here. All right, you're going to want to be paying attention to this because during Thanksgiving week, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations as well. My bookie will give all of your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to play. So quit waiting and sign up today. And now my bookie has a patient customer service team that can walk you through the process, figure out how parlays and teasers work. If you join on Thanksgiving week, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of that incredible sign-up offer. And that one's easy. Pick the game against the spread. No supreme knowledge necessary there. Just go to mybookie.ag, make your first deposit with promo code locked on. MyBookie will match your first deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll, and that's on top of your risk-free bet. Let me repeat, there is a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply can't lose make sure you do your part and support your team this season hop on the gravy train and get in on the action with my bookie because at my bookie you play you win you get paid the freighter and the medical college of wisconsin health network offers many same day care options to fit your busy schedule your health is important so stay on top of it this football season take advantage of what is possible through one of the many convenient ways to get the care you need from the area's leading physicians. In need of primary care, personalized care is delivered at more than 40 health centers and clinics throughout southeastern Wisconsin. Many locations offer Saturday and extended evening hours. You can even schedule that appointment directly online. Prefer to save yourself a trip? Schedule a visit site with your own doctor through the safe and secure MyChart app 
or request a virtual clinic appointment 24-7 and be seen by a board-certified provider in 30 minutes or less using your phone, tablet, or laptop. For more serious conditions, staff at urgent care clinics and emergency departments are ready to treat you when you need it most, even late at night. Whether in the comfort of your home or at one of many convenient locations, Freighter and the MCW Health Network staff will provide you with exceptional care rooted in innovation and discovery. To learn more about all these care options, visit www.freighter.com care or call 1-800-DOCTORS. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network, this is what is possible. All right, let's get to the self-scout here. The Packers defense is the best place to start because it is the most concerning unit, I think, for most Packer fans. And it is interesting because they are 19th by DVOA, 13th against the pass and 25th against the run. But they have played the most difficult offensive schedule in football and not just the most difficult offensive schedule in football. The difference between one and two is the same as the difference between two and five. So a lot of a lot of you are are worried about the team, and I understand that, and rightfully so. But I think there are a lot of things burned in your mind that are more a result of playing a lot of really good teams. And there is, as I have mentioned before, compelling data that suggests defense is a lot more about who you are playing in terms of being predictive than anything else. And there really isn't any indication from the data that we have that suggests early defense, you know, the first month, month and a half, two months, is a predictor of how your defense will finish. And that is in part because of how important the the teams you're playing are in those measurements. So when you've played the hardest schedule in the league, to just be 19th, to just be barely below average, and to be an average to slightly above average pass defense, it really tells you that this is a team that against... Washington, New York, Chicago, they should have a lot of success. And against good teams, like most teams, they're going to have bigger issues. And you just need to be, you know, you need to get a couple turnovers. You need to to try and, and manufacture some things, as most teams do, to win those games. They're ninth in pass rush win rate, sixth in pressure rate, 10th in adjusted sack rate. They are winning the battle up front in pass rush. The problem is in the run game. They're 32nd in adjusted line yard. 32nd. There are 32 teams. So that's not ideal. But Kenny Clark the last two weeks has been really good. He was awesome against Carolina. It is, you know, it is the Tyler Lancasters, the Montrevious Adams, the Dean Lowry's who they just paid. Kingsley Kiki. I, I think, you know, for as much as Packer fans want a receiver and they want an offensive tackle, if Brian Bulaga is going to go, obviously that's priority number one if Brian Bulaga is not playing. But, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if defensive line were a priority for them. They they are huge on trying to win in the trenches. I don't think they're going to convert Rashawn Gary, though it's someplace that I think I'd like to see him play a little bit more in base. Just put him out there at five technique and see what he's got. Uh, don't just put him there in sub package because I think he's strong enough. I think he's big enough to take care of it. That would be something that I would look at if I were Mike Patton because it's a, it's another way to get him on the field. It's also a way to keep those guys fresh as you rotate through. One thing I also notice is they can be slow to get aligned, and Carolina tried to take advantage of that 
you know, part of that is because they do like to stem, but another part is they've just been a little slow getting the calls in at times. Carolina tried to quick snap them a couple times, and it exacerbates the problem that they have of busting coverages. One thing they do really well is they mix fronts and coverages well. Um, and and they really they played well against Carolina in terms of winning their one-on-one battles. They had Kyle Allen dead to rights a couple times and just couldn't finish. Um, but but guys who stood out to me against the Panthers, Darnell Savage flew around. Kevin King tackled his ass off. He really tackled well. There were some some moments where you know you wish he could change directions a little bit better. He doesn't have that click and close burst. Uh, and especially on a wet surface, was not able to to do that. But look, he if he's going to tackle, at least you have that. If you're going to allow a completion, tackle someone. Uh, it it really does stand out how many guys they have can win one on one. Kenny Clark, the the Smith brothers, Kyler Fackrell can do it. Um, Rashawn Gary can do it. Dean Lowry can do it. Although he's been inconsistent, I, I think he's fourth on the team in pressures though. So a little underrated as a pass rusher this year. Uh, one thing, checkdowns are consistently open against them. And that's not just Blake Martinez. A lot of it is, you know, a check down to the flat where they don't have a flat defender in zone coverage or something like that. But one thing I did notice is when the Packers play man coverage, they're consistently sticky to these receivers. I think it's something they should do more. I don't, you know, I don't know if, if Mike Patton wants to do that because of, you know, disguise and all that stuff, but it is something I think they should do more. Blake Martinez, man, playing too passive, doesn't come downhill and attack ball carriers anymore. That used to be everything he did, and it's just not there anymore. Just about any combination of four-man lines that they put together can get pressure, and it's something that they've done consistently all year. They're the top red zone turnover creating team in the league. Uh, Adrian Amos is a rock. He's always in the right place. He's a consistent tackler. Uh, and, you know, Jair Alexander, according to Sports Info, um, is is the league leader in dropped INTs, uh, had at least one against Carolina. He, he had two, really, against Minnesota, and I can think of a couple others he probably should have had. So, um, you know, he had one against Dallas. He probably had five or has five or six dropped interceptions. They only have him for three. But that's something that you'd really like to see him get worked out. But it's there. And Ibrahim Campbell played a ton against Carolina and and did a lot of things well. You know, if they if they finish the plays against Kyle Allen, they win that game, you know, 24-10 or even better. Because maybe they can, you know, they generate a pick. I mean, if Jair catches that pass, it, it's probably a pick six. So, you know, it, it they're they're close defensively, I think. The last few weeks, they've been better in the run game. Even in that loss, they were not getting blown off the ball. They were getting a lot of stops against the, the Chargers' run game, especially against Melvin Gordon. So I'm actually less concerned about the run defense than I was uh, and, and a little bit more concerned with just a lack of aggressiveness from their overhang defenders, Blake Martinez. Uh, I'd like to see Oren Burks a little bit more, but even BJ Goodson didn't play great. You know, I, I don't know what they're going to do there. I think they need to play Burks more, and I think Ibrahim Campbell can be a force for good in that secondary. Before we finish up here, Peloton is offering a limited time offer. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. The offense is a little bit easier because I think it's something that that fans are a little bit more clued in on. It's it's something that 
can often be a little bit easier to understand. Green Bay sixth in DVOA, fifth passing, third rushing. They are sixth in points per drive, first in points per red zone trip. So this is a really good offense. And I know that they play in fits and starts. They still have to clean up the three and outs. They are 28th in three and outs per drive, something that if they clean up a little bit, it would really make life easier for their defense because they're not giving the ball right back. But sustaining drives, when you have Aaron Rodgers, obviously the longer he has the ball, the more likely it is that he does something really great and they get a touchdown. So just possessing the ball if you're Green Bay, it's not about time of possession. But if, you're just, if you just have the ball, Aaron Rodgers has a chance to do something with it. If you don't have it, he doesn't, right? This, is, this seems axiomatic. But, and, you know, it is. They're not doing it. You know, it seems obvious, but they're not doing it consistently. And part of it is these pre-snap penalties. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in the last few weeks they'll get a nice play, whether it's a run or a pass on first down, second down. And it's second and two, third and three. And pre-snap penalty. Just cannot have it. They have to come out in in the second half of the season and cut those down way down. And maybe David Bakhtiari being healthy will help. But this is just this is just like knowing the snap count is basic. And they're just not doing it. The offensive line has been awesome all year. Eighth in adjusted line yards, tenth in adjusted sack rate, first in pass block win rate, and eighteenth in pressure rate allowed. I think a lot of that is more to do with with Aaron Rodgers holding the ball a little bit and and uh, you know his his desire to improvise. He can sometimes run into pressure, but luckily not run into sacks. Lafleur mixes personnel really well. He always has at least one tight end on the field and often has two or three. Uh, on second reaction plays, it's pretty clear Rodgers plays favorites. Devontae, Jimmy Graham, and now Alan Lazard, which is which is a, an interesting development. They kill teams with split zone. Uh, Aaron Jones has been outstanding. Just he's he really every time I watch him, it's just like man, he's really good. How did he go in the middle of day three? His burst and vision is is awesome. Uh, it, it is obvious though that David Bakhtiari gets beat more than he used to. You hope that that is the injury and the inconsistencies that that stem from it. I think they go, they get a little too cute uh, uh, with empty on short yardage. Uh, it's something I'm, I think I'm going to write about for Acme Packing Company. There were a couple times against the Panthers. It's like third and three, third and two, third and five, and they go empty. And it's like, can you, can you just not do that? Just give the defense something to think about. Just put Aaron Jones in the backfield, or or better yet. Take Jimmy Graham off the field, put Aaron Jones split out and Jamal Williams in the backfield, play pony personnel, and make defenses account for that. They are awesome in the screen game. Uh, It it was pretty clear to me watching the game again. uh, Devontae looks about 85%, but Jimmy Graham looked better. I mean, he he, even on the on the sort of slick surface, he looked, you know, he looked really spry. Um one thing that that stood out that I guess I had noticed before, but I really I really locked into and liked is they run these interesting RPO plays, and Rodgers has the option to either hand to the back or throw the the receiver screen into the bunch usually, but sometimes it's just the two receiver side if the numbers dictate it, and they they pick up some easy yards, some easy first downs that way. I love that built in. It's a little bit of a refinement of the RPOs that they were already using. Uh, Jimmy Graham's blocking has really improved. Shocked by that, but he he's the last couple weeks especially, he's been really good. Um, one of the reasons that they're the best red zone team in the league is they run it. 
they run it in the red zone. And that's something that I, I would love to see them keep up. Another thing is they scheme up deep shots as well as any team in the league. It seems like every time they call one of these, they have a cornerback and a receiver running down the field with no safety help. And if Rodgers would make some better throws, they would have you know at least one of these a game, if not two or three. And, and if they hit two or three in a game, they're going to score 40. I mean, that's what they did against Oakland. I mean, when he hits those plays, there's just no stopping this offense. Against Carolina, I mean, he missed, you know, maybe five throws that we'd expect him to make. A couple were deep shots, and it's just not the the vintage Rodgers we're used to seeing. If he can find some of that rhythm, if he, I mean, he doesn't have to be Oakland Raiders Aaron Rodgers. But if he can just tap into a little bit more of that, if he can find the accuracy on the deep balls, that's that's a huge key for him because, you know, this offense sets him up for that. So, you know, get that ball to Devontae just a foot more to the inside and he might score. And if you lead him down the field, he, he almost certainly scores. Those are the plays that, you know, you just have to get a little bit more in sync. And they can do it because they did it early in the year. Rodgers was hitting those plays to MVS. MVS has not played as much. He's not 100%. So you have to sort of recalibrate when it's Devontae Adams out there, Alan Lazard out there. He's They're still trying to put this together on the fly. And if it all comes together, this offense can be absolutely deadly. They can be a team that every time they go out there, they're a threat to score 30. And I think they already are. But, you know, they hit pockets of inconsistencies in a way that, a lot of the previous Aaron Rodgers good offenses don't. They just can beat you in more ways now with the run game and, and everything that they, they bring to bear from that part of it. And that makes them so tough to defend. We're going to have a lot of time to talk about San Francisco next week. We're going to preview that. Uh, it, it did strike me that neither of these teams uh, have a ton of players who have been in big games. And I, I think it's going to ultimately tilt in Green Bay's favor because... A lot of the key positions, they have guys that have been there and done it. Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, um, and, and and even you know some of the guys like Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, albeit in a in a backup role, and David Bakhtiari, Brian Bulaga. I mean, you know, those are guys that have been in playoff games. They understand the stakes here. They understand what it's like to to be in those pressure moments, and I think that is that is going to benefit them against a team that is young and and hungry, but but totally untested and in their first big test you know we talked about it yesterday Jimmy Garoppolo was bad and they didn't look great you know if they're not creating turnovers you know I don't I don't, I don't know what they're they're great at because the run game has come and gone Kyle Shanahan didn't commit to it we know this is a problem for him at times so it's going to be fascinating to see no periscope tomorrow uh, this is it for the week just these four shows uh, and uh, go go check out that Billy Turner feature if you haven't read it it is, a, it is tandem content to the show from yesterday. If you haven't listened to that, go back and do that. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.